before we had the um, technical difficulty, which we'll probably be joining having the whole time. I do have gifts too. One for a table, so you do have to share. Here you go. Yeah. Here you go. Yeah, you're welcome. Play nice. Here you go. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, you can. Mm hmm, mm hmm. And last but not least, so the back row is here. Okay, so um, we will get to your gift in just a moment. Um, but you know, feel free to you know enjoy it for a couple of minutes. Well, don't fully enjoy it in here. I don't. I don't need you to make full use of your toilet paper in this room. So, okay. So, welcome. We're going to be talking a bit today about change management, um, and it's it's not what I would call the um, WWJD of change management. It's not what would Jen do, uh, but it's actually all the research and findings from an organization called ProSci. Um, and really doesn't stand for anything cool or sexy, it's just professional science. And so they've been studying change management for over 30 years. And uh, they've done a lot of research working with various change practitioners to identify, okay, what works well with change, what doesn't. And they've established a body of knowledge and also several methodologies, one of the we're gonna learn today. So, yay, change management. So I'll say, while well, I start here, Normally it takes anywhere from six hours to three days to cover this content. So let me talk in really fast. No, I'm kidding. I clipped it down to manage, hopefully manageable bite-sized pieces for you. But I might, I'll probably hop back over here to my notes every now and then just to make sure I'm hitting on the highlights that I want y'all to get from, from this particular session. Now in this session, I just have three simple rules. One, by no means, see, there it goes again. I have four rules. My microphone's supposed to stay on my ear. We're already starting off really well. Second rule is please just shout out questions. We're not you know, in a formal session here. I know, right? If it worked for Apollo 13, it can work for me. Um, so yeah, just holler out questions. It's nothing formal here as we go along. We'll, we'll chat through it. Um, and also, um, third one, yeah, I think we're on three. Um, laugh at my stupid jokes, right? If you were in a session earlier, you learned that I'm the youngest of four and the only girl. So I'm used to really getting my way for everything. And I'll get for my jokes. So thank you. See, way to model it, way to model it. Yeah? Okay. You catching, everyone catching this? Internet land, you got this? Let's look, the less you can see in my face, the better. So tape up. Not my hair, I paid a lot for that. <laughs> I feel like I should know your name. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Thank you, David. Okay, thank you. I'll see you in the morning. No, I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> and uh, the fourth rule, that actually is a lot better, thank you. Um, I feel validated. Uh, is to participate, right? I'm gonna be asking a lot of questions. There's no wrong answer in this room. Uh, people will probably talk about you later when you, um, you know, outside of this room that your answer is wrong, but, oh wait, it's acting up, okay. But um, yeah, so just as I call out, you know, questions, feel free to, you know, just engage and we're just gonna have a grand old time. I mean, it's starting off awesome already, right? Okay, so here's a couple things that we're gonna talk about today. So we're gonna spend a good few minutes talking about the purpose of change management and why change management isn't just a communication plan, right? It's not just telling someone, 
hey, by the way, I'm going to make this change, and uh, yeah, good luck with it. Right? There's really a lot of intentional structure around change management. We're also going to take a look at some of the key roles, whether it's an organization or project, um, or you even much of this methodology is applicable in your personal life as well. So key roles that help uh, change management be successful. And then uh, close with the change management methodology is uh, wrapping it up. Dang, turn the page. So now we're going to go to your gift, right? So at your table, take a hot minute to you know, peruse your roll of toilet paper. Sorry, internet land. This is what we're working with right now. Yeah, that's toilet paper. Yeah, Kirk, I'm so sad that you're just now learning about this. Um, so yeah, just uh, you know, talk a little bit for a quick minute. You know, describe the, the toilet paper at your table. You know, come up with a you know, jot down a few adjectives. Describe this lovely. Uh huh. Thank you. I should have practiced more with this before my ordeal here. This year? Okay. 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 Okay, so, so let me, uh, since we've got some peeps out in internet land, uh, let's loud and proud uh, holler out a few things that describe your toilet paper. It's obviously from the dollar store. It's obviously from the dollar store. Close, Amazon. Yes. So it's probably on the, the cheaper scale. One ply. One ply. It's economical. Thank you, sir. It's white. Yes. With flowers on it. It can't be sealed. It's on a roll. Okay. So one side is rougher than the other, but it's still not the roughest out there. So apparently, Scott Tissue is. Okay. So, yeah, un unscented. I will take your word for it. At least right now, it's unscented. Um, okay, so <laughs> I don't know about you, um, but at my house, the toilet paper looks a little bit more like this, right? And because this has street value, I'm not giving you all a roll of this. You know, when you buy a big package of toilet paper, it's about a mortgage payment. So, okay, so what are some differences between what you have on your table and what you probably have at your home right now? Two ply, right, is what you have at home. It's, what you have at home is a higher quality. You have both, right? Do you put, like, this stuff out for guests so they don't stay long? I don't even know how this happens or where it comes from. But the this is getting better. Oh. oh. He's, he's got that bougie toilet paper, y'all. Okay, what, what, about, what about we got going on here? Yeah, the size. Yeah, probably a lot of it comes from the, the ply as well. So tell me, if you went home right now, well, don't go now because I want to finish my, my presentation. 
But if you went home and changed out all the rolls of toilet paper in your house for this stuff, without telling anyone in advance, right? What, 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 what kind of you know, repercussions would you have? What would you hear from the peeps at your, at your household? Rebellion. Rebellion. What is this garbage? And that would be our chihuahua saying that. What, what other uh, challenges would you have? You go through more roles, so it may not be as economical. <laughs> so, so not a lot of people would be too happy, especially if they didn't know why you changed out the toilet paper or kind of what, what brought it about. And, and this is just a simple change, right? Well, <laughs> says our plumber. Um, but <laughs> but example of, of how, how sensitive people are to change, right? Even the simplest things are changing out the toilet paper. People can be victims of change, changes done to them, right? So we're going to talk a good bit today about, you know, incorporating change management. We'll come back to the toilet paper off and on throughout our, uh, you know, time together. Um, but we're going to, you know, learn some you know, tips and techniques to apply to, you know, if, should you ever have to change the toilet paper in your house, you'll be able to do it with less drama. Um, so, okay, so let's start with the baseline of what is change management, right? So change management is simply a framework for managing the people side of, of change, right? So, you know, when you look at, you know, it's a project or across an organization, you know, the, you can have new technology, you can have new processes, uh, but it's all, it, all of those require people for them to be the most successful in their implementation, right? So it's more than just a communication plan. It's more than communication, Luke, I am your father. So um, yeah, so it's more than just a communication plan. It's really a way to facilitate change to reach maximum outcomes that you're looking for, right? And it can be at the project level, right? So change management is part of the project within an organization. Within an organization or at the organizational level, it's often seen as a strategic competency. So it's really an organization's capacity for change. Uh, and as I mentioned, you know, we'll find this, you know, is applicable um, on the personal side as well. The key component to any change though whether it's project level, organization, or at the individual personal level, is the ability to adopt and apply the change so that you actually reach the outcome that you're looking for. Okay, so why is change management important? Well, it's obviously important because there's a lot of quotes about it out on internet land, right? So we know that everything on the internet is true. And of course, if it has important you know, quotes, then it must be substantial. There's even a quote in there from Socrates, like that's been around forever, it's like, what, 1985 or something. But the thing is, there's a big difference between what we think about change, right, oh, it's important, yes, I can do change, and how people really feel about change, right? And, and it's how people have to deal with change and how it's done to them, especially the infamous, you know, guy calls are so awesome and adorable. But we've always done it this way, right? Why do we have to do it the other way? It's like, I'm not, I'm, you know, I want to stick with how we've always done it. There's no reason for the change that you're really telling me or that I understand here. So what we'll do now is we, we understand what change manage, management is, right? We have the foundation, the definition we looked at a moment ago. Let's talk for a hot minute about, you know, why we need change management. So, you know, we know that it's a framework for the people side of change, but what it really does too is it helps people get from 
one state of being to another, right? It moves them from one place to another, hopefully you know, to your desired outcome. So the intent is to ensure that you're aware that you have a clear understanding of what is what amount of adoption do you need, right? So if you have 100 people, right, that you want to you know, stop doing A and start doing B, in order to make B the most valuable to you, right, to really uh, achieve the outcome that you're looking for, how many of those 100 people have to make that change? Because I guarantee you we're going to find out here, not 100% of them will make that change, right? So it's the change management that will help you really be most successful in reaching the outcomes that you're looking for. And that could be just the overall outcome. It could be return on investment. Um, and then we're going to talk, really, because Swiss who doesn't like Swiss cheese, except when it's in your future state? Spoiler alert. So let's, you know, tell me, if you could be six times better at anything in the world, what would it be? Before you answer my question. Six times better at anything, anything you do, what would it be? Communication. communication. Thank you. That was one step closer because you actually <laughs> communicated. No one else did. So, gold star. <laughs> what else would you like to be six times better at? Excel? Preach, sister, I'm with you. All right, anything else? Learning a language? I'm with you. Yep, even though there's, that was, my husband doesn't want me to talk anymore than I do, so whether it's English or English. So change management and effective change management of that will actually help you um, be six times more successful in reaching the outcomes that you're looking for. Right, simple change management techniques will help you be six times more successful in reaching your outcomes than if you opt to not do change management. That's pretty impressive. So that's the impact on your outcomes. When we look at the human factors impact the ROI, so again, return on investment, and you know, that investment could just be the time and energy that you're putting into a particular process change. Uh, it could be a new service line, it could be new technology. So the impact on that investment Right, to get the, the best return on that investment. It's like three things when you look at uh, people in change management. One is the speed of them actually making that change, right? It's called speed of adoption. How quickly can you get them up and running from going from doing A to now doing B? The second is, we talked about um, the, the percentage or the number that you need to actually make the change. That's known as the utilization, right? So really maximizing on how many people can you get to move as quickly as possible from A to B? And the third is the, the clincher here. They're not just doing it, but they're doing it right. And they're doing it with a level of efficiency, right? With no change, everyone starts to move a little more slowly if you have to do something you know, new, something different as you're going through that learning curve. But really, how well can you get them to maximum proficiency or efficiency in using that change? So those are going to be the three items that, of course, people will influence the most and will have the biggest impact on your return on investment. So you've probably heard nothing since I've said Swiss cheese. So now I'm going to talk about the Swiss cheese. So, and this is really where um, change management helps um, increase that, um, the utilization and the number of people making the change. So oftentimes when we think about a change, we think about it in its totality. We are all currently in state A. Hey, we're going to make this change, right? That's our position. 
and now we're all going to magically appear and be doing in, in state B. Right? So we look at it as these big blocks in totality. When really, I should have timed this, I'm in closer to my laptop, really what we see is this. So we start as individuals, because while we might be looking for an organizational change, it's really dependent on all of the individuals in the organization making the change. So we all start you know, in, with our little red C boxes in current state. And then throughout the transition period, we lose a few people along the way. They check out, they either say, nope, not gonna do this. As my mom would say, you know, it's an asking, not, or it's not an asking, it's a telling, right? Not everyone catches that. Or some people, uh, you know, just maybe key players leave, so the change doesn't make it all the way through the process, things slow down. So by the time you get to, you want your future state, you've lost a good chunk of people, right? So that's where the little holes are. Symbolism, it's Swiss cheese, right? So what that looks like, and what the consequences are of Swiss cheese state, is that you're gonna have lower return on investment, right? Because you you're not gonna be as effective in the outcomes that you were looking for. It will lend itself to a history of failed changes because you know, individuals will think, well, that last change didn't work. Why is this, why is this one gonna be any different? Right? Well, I know if I wait it out, we'll just start doing stuff the old way again. And of course, you won't be achieving what you're looking for, especially if it's any improvements. And then it's, you certainly won't reach the outcomes that you're looking for. So now the role of change management is, it really serves to get people from one point to the other point. So when we look at, well really how then can we maximize change management as this bridge, getting people from one place to another, We'll focus on what's called five tenets of change management. It's super amazing and awesome. I'm sorry, it's really not. But so um, we'll, we'll spend a quick minute here. I'll read them out to you because I know it's a little bit of an eyesore. Hold on. I didn't ding my bell, so my pages aren't caught up with me. Ding, 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 Tinkerbell, ding. So close. Oh, here we are. Okay. So I'll stand on this side so y'all can see it. So um, the change, or the five tenets of change management really help us understand how change actually happens, okay? And, and they build off of one another, one to five. So tenet one is we need to understand the reason for the change, right? The big why behind the what. Um, this is where we get to, we're not just communicating the change, but we're helping people understand why the change is needed. Right, so the why part is really huge on this. Second um, part, of, or the second tenet, um, is that you know, organizational change requires individual change, which we touched on a moment ago. So we need to know exactly who needs to do their job differently in this change. Right, down to the, the nitty gritty. And of course, you know, we, we spoke too to avoid Swiss cheese state. Mm, Swiss cheese, I'm gonna to wanna to keep in sandwich for dinner now. To avoid um, you know, that Swiss cheese state, we need to collectively move enough people from current state to future state. So that's where we know how many are ROI, right? The get our return on investment, do we need to ensure that actually adopt and use the change? Right? They can't just be giving you, you know, FaceTime, oh, yep, yep, it's going awesome, we're doing the change, and then everything tanks behind the stage. 
but it's exactly you know who is adopting it and using it. Four, right, is the, the really the enabling framework part. So this is where you decide what am I willing to do for those people that I need to adopt and use this change that you have identified into. What tools are you going to give them? What resources? How will you ensure it's messaged to them to get their buy-in? And then tenant five wraps it up nice and neat, and that's actually applying those change management techniques. So it's, you know, how are you driving it to ensure that it not only the change is started and adopted, but it's endured, right? It's enduring, it's continuous. What questions do y'all have for me so far? Because y'all are the smart group. I'm kidding if you have any questions. Okay. So we talked a lot about what change management can do for you, right, in the change process, help you reach outcomes, help you achieve a certain ROI. But there's also things that change, effective change management can prevent, right? And that's whether it's at the project level or at the organizational level. So, uh, you know, this is an eyesore, I know. Um, and I'll, actually, I'll have my email address at the end of this presentation so you don't have to write down everything. I can email these, these slides to you. Um, so it can anything from you know, avoiding certain types of costs uh, to mitigating risk. Um, and that risk can be you know, partly cost associated, but there are, can also be some compliance areas you know, that you know, your organization needs to be mindful of. So by putting in you know, active and intentional change management techniques, again, you can not only get benefits from it, but also avoid certain scenarios as well. Okay, so man, we have learned the purpose of change management. We talked about the value of change management. Whew. Oh my Jesus, change management all over the place. It's awesome. But hey, you know what? There's some key roles that are really critical in change management being its most effective. Right? So let's take a hot minute to talk about those. Yeah, I didn't have anything better to cover on that one. Okay, so let's change slides. All right, I want to start first with the peeps on the other side. Uh, those that are behind the scenes, they're called the um, enabling roles. Not enablers, right? We, we don't need to, like, you know, psychologists all going sideways on us, but enabling roles. So the change practitioner, one that kind of helps put all this change management stuff into place, but they're not doing it on their own, right? They're the ones that will partner with the project manager if this is a project-based change, you know, implementing new technology, rolling out a new service model, anything like that. So um, they're really a part of that overall project plan in those scenarios. But they're, truly their intent is to help equip others with what they need to be the most successful in the change, right, when it comes to their leaders and, and other components. This, this individual isn't always just a, I'll say, a, freestanding role, right? It can be components of an existing role. Um, so I don't want you to you know, think that, oh, I'm gonna have to go back and figure out how to tell boss that we need to hire like five change people because Jen said so. You know, then I'm gonna have your boss like, hey, who are you, you crazy lady? But um, so it can be like applying these change management techniques in many different scales and capacities. But the two roles that are most critical are the sponsor, right? So they're the one thing, yes, this change is blessed, approved, go forth and change, right? And then the people managers, and they're the ones that work most closely with the people that are actually performing the change, right? That I now, as an employee, have to go from A to B. So let's take a deeper dive on each of those roles. So the sponsor role, 
I really am sad that they didn't come up with a one, two, three with this. It's easy as ABC, right? Actively build, communicate, but there's no one, two, three. So, wah, wah. so really, this individual, they can't just be the one that send, sends out an email and says, hey, guys, we're going to do this change. Yay, rock on and be awesome, right? Um, they're not just the ones they like to say signing the checks and charters, but they are, act, they are act, actively talking about the change. They are engaging with others. They are building partnerships. That's the uh, build coalitions with other sponsors and um, peers and managers. Because it has to be, you know, again, this is an organization um, uh, of any size, even if it's a change that's only impacting one area of the organization, all the other areas need to be aware of it, depending on the size and scope of the change. So it's up to the sponsor to help bridge those communication lines. And they're also not just avoiding the employees in it, right? Because we're going to talk about resistance in a little bit, but I know as soon as I said change, so even with the TP thing, you all had one person, at least one person come to mind. And, oh man, it would be such a pain if I have to make a change. I know who this person is. Um, so they're out there communicating with the employees, right? They, they need to be hearing from the frontline team members that are involved in the change. I will say not a lot of leaders or project sponsors, one, are aware that this is part of their role as a sponsor, or two, openly embrace doing this, right? Again, they just kind of want to send out the email that says, yay, thank you so much. I appreciate you. I appreciate you and what you do every day. They, listen, they might be legit serious that they appreciate you, but if they're not out like getting you know, the real message of what's going on with this change and helping advocate for it, then they don't really understand their role and what the change is needing. And we find that the more effective the sponsor, the sponsor is in this capacity, the more likely the success of the project and the outcomes that you're looking for. And you know it's real because there's numbers on it. No, really. I mean, it can be up to almost 75% more effective, uh, the more effective a sponsor is in, in achieving the outcomes that you're looking for. So let's talk about the people manager. So they're really, they're really in the trenches, right, with the team members that are performing these changes. So they uh, actually serve five roles, right? So um, again, because ProSci is all about acronyms, um, it's Clark, yay. Not this Clark, by the way. <laughs> I was really disappointed. So they're going to focus on the communication, right? communicating directly with their team members. Um, this is who their team members want to hear from. right? They don't want to hear from the change practitioner. They don't want to hear from the project manager. They don't even know who those people are usually. So it's their direct line manager. Um, that, that leader also serves as a liaison between those other roles and the team members, you know, bringing information to and pulling information from. And the most critical thing here, too, is they need to be an advocate for the change. Right? I know a lot of managers sometimes, especially those that have been around forever, you know, serving a certain role or capacity, they may have a tendency to kind of be like the koala bear, right? But we've always done it this other way. And they start to, you know, bleed that over to the, you know, the, onto their team members. And so they're, they're almost undermining the change, right? They're preventing it from being the most successful possible, and therefore also preventing their team members from being the most successful possible. So you really need to ensure that your managers, these people leaders are on board and being an advocate for the change. They also serve as kind of like that frontline resistance manager. You know, not like, oh, is it somewhere in Star Wars they have the resistance, or is that something else? I don't know. 
Um, I want to hear about that from my team member that might be watching virtually too, that I don't know that. So um, we're going to touch on resistance in a little more detail later on if we have time. Um, but they're the ones that are addressing you know, any pushback from team members, helping answer their questions, um, really to, um, as they, if they see the foundation start to crumble, help rebuild it by coaching, redirecting, um, and talking with those team members, making sure that they get the questions answered. So. so one of the reasons that, you know, the people manager works so well in this role is, again, they're the ones that know the team members and vice versa. They're the ones that the team members trust. Um, they're close to where the change is happening. So as things start to, you know, you start to go through that transition period, you know, if there is a lag, a lag in training, or if there's a technical issue, you know, or if there are questions, uh, if options don't align with change, they're the ones that can help address that because they're hearing it and they're seeing it from their team members. Uh, we talked about mitigating resistance previously, um, and they also help to build support. Again, they need to be a key advocate for the change, and then they should be building other advocates of the change with their team members. Ding. Ding. Ooh, went one too far because now it's getting good. Okay, so we talked a bit about the purpose of change management, the benefits of change management, some of the key players in change management. Now we're going to talk about a five-step methodology, right? So this is where uh, rubber hits the road and where you can really start to um, see where, again, whether it's you, your household, um, your, your team members within the office, um, where they are in this five-step process as you, um, as you go through things. So if we talk about the, the framework in these five parts, easy peasy, lemon squeezy, right? Again, ProSci loves acronyms, so it's just called ADCAR, where the first A stands for awareness, D, desire, knowledge, ability, and enforcement. So we're gonna go through each of these and talk a little bit them, uh, about them in more detail. So let's start first with awareness. So again, this kind of goes back to tenant one, which is understanding the why that the change is needed. So we're telling them about the change itself, the nature of the change, but the big part is the why. And on the flip side of that too, what's the risk of not changing? Sometimes that's a bigger why um, than you know, why we need to make this change, but what are we trying to avoid by not making the change? So if we go back to our TP example, what are some reasons why you might make a change to this kind of toilet paper in your household? What's that, price? Yep, maybe we need to save some, some dinero. I mean, really, it's, you're literally flushing money down the toilet, so. Um, would it help at all to know that this uh, is RV and being in boat or whatever compliant so that if you, yes, it says it on the package, so you know it's true. I read it on Amazon. So, so yeah, so um, th there could be several reasons. Price could be one. Uh, maybe you want to focus more on the environment. Um, so, yeah, maybe you have a thing against bears and you don't want to buy Charmin. So, maybe you hate your family. Maybe you have people visiting from out of town and you don't want them to stay that long. So, so those would be some of the why that you could explain as to why you're potentially making the, the TP change. Okay, so now let's talk about desire. So desire is now getting someone to understand that they have a personal choice. 
You might be telling them to make the change, but they're not going to make it unless they make the personal choice for the change. Now, I don't know what that means. If, if this is the only toilet paper in your house, and a family member chooses to not make the change to this toilet paper, you're going to have other problems, but that's okay. Again, that's, you're not going to reach the outcomes that you're looking for. Actually. Or that's just going to be a lot of stink. So to get someone to understand or to, um, to take the personal decision to make the change, they need to understand the benefit and the value. And not just any benefit and value, but it's what benefits them, what's of value to them. You know, it's the whole whiff on what's in it for me gig. And then they need to understand that they are personally engaging to make the decision to change. When they understand that part, then they won't feel that, oh, this, this change is being done to me, right? I am, on, I am making the decision to personally be a part of this change, right? I'm going through this journey. Yep, I understand the benefits, and I am making the decision to support this change. Then we get into the lovely world of K, which is knowledge. So this is where you're not just providing someone the information that they need to make the change, but you're really meeting them where they're at. Right? Some people might need different types of training. They may learn differently. They may need to be uh, upskilled. New skills may be needed depending on the type of change that you're, you're making. Right? So, and it's also giving the time to, to practice, not just to learn about the change, to learn to do the change, um, to practice and feel confident. Right? It's that confidence that will help them connect the why to the benefits to now, again, that personal decision that they made and now feeling comfortable to make the change. And so, it leads us to another A. Mm. This is ability, right? So we've gotten them through, right, the awareness, the desire, the knowledge, and now the ability. So this is not just the culmination of the preceding three steps, but it's also what else could be serving the barrier that would prevent them from making the change, right? It could be, hey, you know what, boss? You told me that this particular report needs to be done every day at 3 o'clock. Uh, every day on the schedule at 3 o'clock, I'm scheduled for a break, right? So what does that mean? I'm not, I'm not going to be able to make this change unless we change something else. Or you could be saying, um, you know what, every day at work I make one widget. Don't mock me, it's a really nice widget and it's custom, just so we're all clear. So I make one, one widget a day, so five widgets a week. You know, the change is now I, I'm going to be accountable for making ten widgets a week. You know what, boss, that's great, I'm on board with the change, right? I'd love to do the change, I understand the need for it, but I've, I don't have the capacity. It is physically impossible for me to make more than one widget a day. So what, that is a barrier for us reaching our outcome, for me being able to do this change. So that's what you're looking for in the ability to apply change. And reinforcement. So reinforcement is where we get into, again, the, the enduring uh, sustainability of the change. So you can really maximize um, and reach the end results that you're looking for and have ongoing return of investment uh, you know, to leverage. So, you know, here we look at, you know, is there recognition that needs to be put in place? Um, you know, is there incentives? Um, it, and that doesn't always have to mean that something like positive and good, right? There are consequences too if the change isn't sustained. And, and whoever, you know, you're, you're looking to make that transition needs to be aware of those. So I don't know about you, but I've, you know, I've known some changes. I've been a part of some changes that were temporary. 
Started off with good intentions, right? A week goes by, doing really good. Second week, kind of starts to teeter a little bit. And by the third week, back to old habits. They're called New Year's resolutions. But it's still applicable when it comes to uh, change like this. And again, what are we doing as leaders, as an organization, as a household, to support the types of behavior and, um, and ongoing change that we're looking for? So when we put these all on one slide, this is what it looks like. And then here's the questions um, that you can ask, um, but it's also the things that you should be hearing if you're out and about, again, as a sponsor, as a people manager, the things that you'll want to check on. And these should be ongoing points to gauge where people are at um, in this ADCAR model um, the um, you know just initial discussions of the change, the transition, and the end state that you're looking for. So when we look for a level of awareness, right? So again, we talked about the why, why the change is needed, but it's people saying, "I understand why." Dot dot dot. If you're not hearing that, it's okay to ask, right? As a leader, for desire, you're looking at uh, again that people making decisions. They may not outwardly say, I've decided to, congratulations boss, I've decided to agree with you and make this change. Um, but again, that's, you're, you're looking for some type of acknowledgement that they're uh, moving along with you in the change process. And the knowledge base, they, they have an the understanding, they know how to do X, they, they're getting the resources that they need. Um, and of course, when it comes to ability, they don't have any other barriers that they're calling out, any obstacles to implementing the change. And reinforcement, again, that sustainability. So doing periodic checks, um, and that's where you bring in, it's okay to have mechanisms for measurement to ensure that the, the change is sustaining. Now, the interesting thing with the ADCAR model is it, it is, you can't go from awareness to knowledge, right? it's, it's linear. People will only move from one step to the next. Um, I'm sorry, it's progressive. It's not necessarily linear because people can move back and forth, right? Things can change throughout the life cycle of rolling out a new change, that transition period, that may take people from you know, a high level of knowledge to all of a sudden their knowledge drops, which makes them question their desire or their, you know, their interest in doing the change. So they, they may move back. Um, Full-blown change management um, projects will actually have leaders, every person, on a one to five scale for each of these components of the ADCAR model to gauge where they think they're at in the change. Um, so again, people can go back and forth during the life cycle of the change itself, which is why you kind of need these touch points throughout the project to gauge where people are at and to provide supplemental support, right? To, um, because it's also only as good as, it truly is a weakest link situation. So you can have really high awareness, a really strong desire, zero knowledge, and that's gonna impact your ability, right? You're not gonna get past that knowledge barrier, right? Versus you can also have really high awareness, a lot of knowledge, but if you don't have the desire to make it stick, you're not gonna get past any stage of enduring success. Losing weight, New Year's resolution. So, um, lots of knowledge, low desire, damn you chocolate cake. So, okay, let's talk about what this looks like though when you have components missing from the ADCAR model, right? So, without awareness or desire, 
Um, again, I'll kind of read from this a step out of the way. Um, employees, you'll find, are asking the same question over and over again, right? They're really just not sure, why are we having doing this again? I don't know if I'm up for this. Why, why are we making this change? Um, because they, they really need the, the comfort in trying to understand why the change is being made, they'll hoard resources and knowledge to themselves because they feel like they're, they're the only one, right? So they, they better, I'm only better than so-and-so, so I'm going to hoard this knowledge and not share it. Without knowledge and ability, right, you're going to have a lower utilization, right, or incorrect usage of a new process or system. And just kind of skipping through, um, you're also uh, going to have sustained reduction in productivity. You don't have the knowledge or the ability to actually sustain that change to get to that last part of the ad car model. So they're just going to backslide. And without reinforcement, speaking of backsliding, you have employees are going to revert to their old way of doing things. So it's kind of the, you got to, you know, inspect what you expect. No, no, go, go. Mm-hmm. Yep. So were you in the crucial conversations? Meeting? Awesome. So when you think about as a leader having a dialogue with member, uh, and the question was, okay, so, so what's going on? We know someone has all the information that they need. Right? We can go to their desk and see piles of notes. We know that they've attended every training, so they've got the baseline knowledge. There's something preventing them on the ability side, right? So they're not transitioning from knowledge to ability to actually apply it. So what are some thoughts on how, as a people manager that is working closely now, those line-level employees that see something like this happening, um, what, are, what are some just spitballing, no right or wrong answers outside of like, you can't just fire them, by the way, I'm in HR, so I know these things. Um, what are some things that, uh, you, or how you may be able to approach that with a team member? Right. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yep, make them, teach them to fish, right? Yep, excellent. What ways that might you approach that team member? Absolutely, yep, follow up. You know, hey, uh, hey, Mary Beth, um, I expect, you know, two widgets to be built today. We've talked about how we need you to do that now. I've given you the resources. I'm going to check back in with you at 2 o'clock to see how things are coming because by then you should be about 25% done with your new second widget for the day. Yep, following up with them. Excellent. Yep. That's great. Yep. Having them show you, walk, walk you through the process. And sometimes it just gets down to they're just not going to make the change. They're, they're not part of desire, right? So uh, to be personally invested, right? They might have the awareness. We know they have the knowledge. So what's lacking is, you know, is the desire part. And so if you've provided all that to them, given them the opportunity to practice, walk them through, progress. That's probably when you need to have some really tough coaching conversations. 
So. Mm -hmm. Yep, really good point. I'm married up. Um, you know, early in the process, when you're, uh, you know, identifying, so say, individuals on your team, and you know, I mentioned, you know, that one person is always going to come. Man, they're just going to be a pain in the rear. You know, you may need to get to them first. You may need to. What can you do to turn that person into an advocate for the change? Because if you can get them on board, then their little circle will probably follow with them with a lot less um, challenge. Yep. Great question, by the way. Other questions while we're Plenty of time here. Okay, because we're going to do shadow puppets in a few minutes, so <laughs> kidding, we're not. Okay, so you know we, we touched on um, we talked a lot about change management, the purpose, value, benefits, um, key roles that support the process. We talked about the primary uh, ADCAR methodology, right? Um, so here's if, if you want to jot down my uh, email address, I'll be more than happy to email you these slides. And since we got some time left too, and I'll go back to this slide here in a minute, uh, I want to take a few minutes to talk about uh, the managing resistance part, because that's always the, yeah, the, my email address is ridiculously long, so I'll go back to it. There's no writing it down. I, I, you would need 15 minutes to write it down. Um, so talking about managing resistance, right? So I just kind of pulled this slide out of order um, from another section of the presentation so that we could spend a few minutes on it. So. When you hear either managing resistance or when you think about change um, and whatever environment that you uh, most often make change in or are you know, succumbing to change, what are some of the primary um, areas of resistance or concerns or pushback that you hear or feel even? That's, that's really good. Like there's, there, you have their, your conspiracy theorists out there that will think something's working against me. You're not telling me something, right? So, you know, in, in coming to that, um, we could look at number one here, which is listening and trying to understand their objections. I mean, maybe there's someone that has, you know, just been done wrong before by a change. Um, and then also, you know, kind of, you know, helping, helping relieve them up. So what are some things that if someone comes to you with a conspiracy theory like that, a trust issue, as a, as a people manager that's probably dealing with that, what can you prepare for and for to have that conversation? Oh, it's a tough one. Buy him a beer. Yep. That's, I call that having a sister to sister.
that's that's really a good point. Just being authentic with them and asking them, okay, so where's this coming from? What, you know, you know, maybe it might be until the third beat that you can they feel comfortable answering the question, but it's okay. It's a really good point. Mm-hmm. That, that's a really, really good point, yeah. So it's almost like the, the prequel to change management, right? Spoiler alert, come next time. No, I'm kidding. Um, a prequel to this would be, you know, where, where's the change coming from? And how are the, the employees, you know, contributing to, again, are they being brought on this journey that is culminating in something positive for them? Um, or is it just, oh gosh, you know, leadership just always corporate. I just always throwing stuff down at us, right? So it is critical to be mindful of the feedback that you're getting from employees um, and, and how that can actually be applied into making these changes and then from there taking it into the change management practices. Really good point. What other resistance can be out there? Oh, they're sometimes the worst for it too. Manager resistance. Yeah, they're the ones that like, you know, I'm, but I know everything. And, uh, and, and gosh, now, now I may not, right? So again, they, they want to be the, the, always be the go-to person. You know, some people just put way too much emphasis on that and, and role. Um, so for them, all of a sudden, them to not know something and to be learning it potentially with their team members. Um, can be really minimizing for them. Um, and therefore, they're not going to be that change advocate and potentially undermine, right? So thoughts on how to um, kind of attack that, how to, how to get your managers on board. Yep. So novel, right? It's <laughs> that is excellent point. So to, to talk about it and well in advance. So um, and it kind of goes to when you know, it, as part of the change management practice. You know, we just learned about the ADCAR model, but you are introducing things throughout the change journey, in a time that makes the most sense, right? It's not okay. Hey, employees, um, great news. Um, tomorrow we're going to start a new system. We're all going to change from. Change, give me something technology. SAP, SAP to not SAP. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, I've got a, a three-page quick guide for you. Um, so just read it during your break. It'll be fine. And um, yeah, go team. Tomorrow's awesome. Uh, yeah, and that, yep. So, you know, you're going to be figuring this out as you go. You're going to have um, frustrations. So, timing the communication, 
um, the, uh, you know, the building of resources and knowledge. Like, you need to time moving your team members through the ADCAR path in a way that makes sense for them and where they're at in their journey, right? So, really great point. Mm -hmm. There needs to be an avenue whereby they can honestly say, I'm having trouble with this. And it actually goes back to the top so that the communication isn't always top down, even if they're kind of with it. Mm -hmm. Continue, sir. I'm going to a slide that will help us. As opposed to dial 922. <laughs> and they'll tell you everything you need to know. Exactly. Yep. So we lean heavily on the people manager. If there aren't other mechanisms, like there's sometimes depending on the size and scope of a change. Uh, again, there may be you know certain resource groups made available where you can have those discussions by team members. Um, but we definitely look heavily to the people manager to help be that liaison. So they're liaising, they're bringing those questions that maybe they don't have an answer for, uh, which can oftentimes also be challenging for managers for them to say, I don't know. But for them to bring those questions from their team members to the group that can, right, and then disseminate that information back as needed. Or, hey, you know, we're rolling out or a non-SAS system, and <laughs> we notice this bug. This, is, this isn't happening correctly. Okay, so now they're escalating that through their people manager, and their people manager is getting it addressed so that it's corrected, and that's, that's how they see the, the positive impact. Oh, this is fixed, this is great, because you know, I said something, I took part in this change, found something that was broken, and, and they're listening because they had it fixed. It's a really great point, Kirk, thank you. Yeah, what else do we have out there? Mm-hmm. Yep, that's a really good point. You know, I emphasized a couple times that change management isn't just communication, right? It's not a communication plan and then you're done. However, a communication plan is a huge part of change right? So, um, you know, uh, this guy over to the left of me pointed out, um, you need to make sure that the people are in the conversations, but then that you're also not limiting those conversations, right? It's, it's really about inclusivity, 
because you want to make sure that populations are feeling as involved in the change as others are. Mm -hmm. Yep. It's a, yeah. yeah, and that's that's a big part too. Is just not going back and saying, "Yikes! Okay, we got this new system, but sorry, let, let me catch everyone up to speed and, and get you on board with the change." So many organizations and leaders, you know, I'm notorious for it too. Before I found my love of ADCAR, um, are focused so much on checking a box, right? And it's like, oh, I need to start this new process. Okay, new process. I'm going to create a training guide. Um, it's going to fix this problem. That's great. Okay, and then they're handing off the training guide to someone else. Or they're so focused on the project plan to roll out a new system, right? Oh, we need to make sure it integrates with this. They get all caught up in the technical stuff, and they forget about the people change and instituting change management. Yep, excellent point. That's usually when I crack a skull since change management is kind of my gig. I have to preach the preach. What other thoughts or questions do you have for change management out there? Or change in general or just a really good chocolate chip cookie recipe or anything? Absolutely, really good point. Uh, in improv land, we call that don't yeah. If you go into a scene with a particular idea of how it's going to go, it's not going to go that way, I guarantee you. So you need to be able to let go and say, okay, I get it, my idea isn't best. Your idea is up, on, up to plate, you know, to bat. What can I do, you know, as a leader? Because I, I want to be that great of a leader to support this. I need to, I need to be the advocate now, um, as a manager. Tell the president I said, hey. Oh, cage match. Oh, no. We'll go here, then we'll go here. Yes. I'll have to take your word for that. No, <laughs> They, they just haven't been jaded yet, right? Yeah. They haven't been taking the, the, the workforce. Well, and and uh, the longer the employee has been there, the older they are, the more difficult they're keeping you wrap their head around it, wrap their fingers around it, mm -hmm. so that they can 
actually produce, but somebody five levels up thinks it's just the best idea in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, and that's, um, I absolutely agree. Um, I think that's a really great point. And so it, it's important to, to think uh, or to have into consideration too, when we're, when we're talking and communicating awareness, right, the need for the change, why we're doing the change, people see that and will understand that differently. I, I don't know about y'all, but I'm a visual learner, right? So I, I need as much detail give me a picture if possible of what future state looks like for me. Because if I can see it, I can I can get there a little bit easier. I can understand it, right? So if you're talking about a new system, can I get some screenshots? Can I get a demo? Can I see how this is really going to help me in the end? Because otherwise it's just like you know, philosophy stuff. I don't get it, sure, whatever. But um, yeah, so really important to help people um, to, you know, whether it's been in position for a million years, the same position, different positions, but even learning styles um, will, will influence that as well. So, awesome. Thanks for letting me bring that up. Yeah. As a people manager, understand your community. Preach. If someone's older, you may want to engage with them a little bit more. Or find those around their community. Alongside with you, not just say, oh, Joanne, go talk to this person. You're looking to partner Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Really good point. Yeah. Our poor reindeer honestly looked like a three-legged dog on meth. I don't know. And you had a question or a statement earlier. Yeah, so something in, yeah, um, I don't know specifically, I was going to say it was just human nature, right, to always want to stay static and stagnant. Right, there's fear, right, of the unknown, yeah.
essentially that's that's what it's going to come down to, right? Because the adoption, right? Prior to change, is going to be based on the pain of not changing, right? You're, you're going to implement something and it's going to increase the profitability by 10x. As well, the pain of not being profitable needs to be greater than the pain of actually being profitable. Anything is personal to you. You will never change. I will never change. Mm-hmm. You've got a friend. Uh, yeah, you have to pay for the upgrade. No. <laughs> so I, I think there's there's different levels of answer to the question. You know, anything from a, you know we want um, a formal change practitioner. You know, based on the size and scope of projects and all that stuff. And then it's of course would involve a, a cost benefit analysis. Someone is always going to want to know. You know, that's approving the cost for positions. Um, so what would we get out of this, right? And that's where we back to the, the benefit, different benefits, change management. Um, and if there's any past projects that have failed because people side of the change didn't happen, you could probably start to put a dollar amount to that. But more, um, it's, you know, it maybe it doesn't even have to float all the way up to like a, a formal position. You know, as I mentioned earlier, there's there's components of this that anyone can put into place. Um, so even if like within your own team, if you have a particular change that's occurring, you can say, okay, now I've got three people to report to me. We, we're having to change a process. Bob, I can probably really build awareness with. Susie, gosh, she's really going to get caught up in you know the old ways of doing things. So you're able to follow these techniques and start to figure out a change management plan just for your team even to make change the most successful. Um, but I will agree that it needs to be more global um, in some capacity, even if it's project managers that they put it on their project plan list. So it's just part of implementation. Um, so there's a span of exactly how it could be implemented.
Yep. So, and especially if it's, why did this change happen so well on this team, but not on this team over here? So it could be, you know, a big difference in how the change management was applied to that other team. Be good at ear or ear do jobby things and brilliant questions. Good job, Dave. I'm so jealous. Yours actually looks like it could pass a drug test. I, well, even my glasses on. What's the upgrade? Oh, he can turn his neck. He wasn't like me having to do my ear thing a few minutes ago until you came to the rescue. He's just all sorts of problem solving. What other questions, thoughts, brilliant notions do you have out there? Don't, I'm gonna wipe that smirk right off your face. Okay, oh, definitely him. We have too many battle scars together. <laughs> Leanne and I were the ones that could Although we sat together in church quite often back in the day, it was a, a bad thing oftentimes because we were the ones. I was getting the evil eye from my mom, right? She'd look over because, you know, when you reached a certain age, you could sit with the teenagers, right, in a certain area of the pews of the church. So we'd sit with the teenagers. And my mom would sit and she would just lean forward and raise her eyebrow. Oh, crap, I'm getting in trouble. So, all righty. Well, thank you all very much. It's been awesome for me. Y'all are a brilliant audience. Um, I got my contact information up here. If you'd like a copy of the slides, just shoot me an email. I'll be more than happy to send them out. Um, outside of that, go forth and change, manage, manage change, be brilliant.